I'm Brian McPherson, and this is the Athena Health Podcast. We're producing this podcast to help clinicians and staff better utilize Athena One so Athena One can best support your patient care. Today, we're going to talk about growth, specifically in the context of clinically integrated networks. Today, we're joined by Jason Hagen, the president of the Alaska Provider Network. He's a CPA with an MBA, and he's founded multiple technology startups, both inside and outside the healthcare space. He co-founded the Primary Care-Centric Network in 2015, which is now owned and directed by primary care providers. And we're here specifically to talk about the Alaska Provider Network and clinically integrated networks in general. First, Jason, thanks for joining us. Uh, and second, can you provide us with an overview about your organization and what makes it unique? Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we have a unique model. Uh, about 12 years ago, uh, healthcare was changing, and I was uh, working uh, with both independent and hospital-owned groups, and no, noticed both were struggling for different reasons, uh, particularly independent groups. The payment models were, were changing, and the the amount of risk and uh, amount of work and the amount of uh, exposure to different things and complexities was just increasing. It was really hard to stay independent. And on the same token, hospital groups were being um, you, you creating, bringing in net, uh, bringing in um, medical groups, which is a very, very different business than a hospital. And so both were having struggles of what to do. And uh, I was questioning, was there another model out there? So I'm a valuation analyst and was doing my valuation certification and came across having to value a clinically integrated network. Uh, that was a very new uh, um, thing to me. It's been around since the 80s. And uh, in the process of learning your valuation analysts uh, license and certification, we had to learn a lot about that network. And a lot of light bulbs went on, and I said, "Oh my goodness, this this is a way that we could collaborate on uh, and do things differently, and allow our both these independent and hospital-owned groups to be more successful." Can you speak to what makes practicing medicine in Alaska unique for the providers on your network? Yeah, it's a uh, you know it's it's a very uh, unique market in that it's 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 not connected with the other ones quite the same, so it ru- runs somewhat autonomously and uniquely differently than the lower 48. So I think it's really easy to lump in what happens in the the lower 48 states and say Alaska should do the same thing and operate the same way. And and that's probably not fair. Um, You know, cost structures up there are are different. In some cases, things are more expensive. Um, And and it's it's not as geographically, uh, uh, you know, accessible. It's, It's a little more difficult to get there. Um, and, and so to be able to understand Alaska, you need to spend a lot of time in Alaska. And, and I think you can't expect, you know, the rates to be the same as they are in the lower 48. I don't think you can expect the, um, uh, the connectedness, you know, a lot down in the lower 48, you have a lot of really large systems running the whole thing. I think that is not as likely to work up there because, of the nature of the business and in, in, in the geography. And so up there requires, I think, probably more personal relationships and more uh, folks in Alaska doing the work in Alaska and different type of relationships with the payers than you might have in the lower 48. And you can't expect the same metrics and the same rates and the same 
cost structures as you do everywhere else because it's a different market. And I think that the the payers and the service providers, meaning you know us um, and the providers, even all when they understand that, I think it, it becomes more successful because obviously new providers are moving to Alaska as well and. Um, you know, learning, it's, it's a little bit different up there. And, and I, I think people choose to work in Alaska because they want that more independence and that different that different feel, but it is different. And so I think people need to be aware of that and let's, let's, let's treat it differently. Um, and, and let's make it, you know, all healthcare is local and Alaska is very different and very local. So can you share with us, for those who may not know, what exactly a clinically integrated network is for those who are not familiar? Yeah, great great question. Uh, clinically integrated network in its simplest term is really uh, clinically integrating disparate systems or um, medical groups and allow them to collaborate on best practices. Uh, so systems are a huge part of that solution and being clinically integrated. But ultimately, it's the ability to impact the cost and quality in a positive way and ultimately um, make better uh, um, outcomes for patients. So a clinically integrated network in its most technical term is you know being able to clinically uh, marry claims and clinical data and uh, share information across the continuum of care to provide best practices. But ultimately, we want to improve cost, quality, and patient care and the lives of providers. So what are the benefits to having a clinically integrated network, especially um, where your clinics are located in Alaska? Yeah, Alaska is uniquely independent. Uh, and I love that about that because I do believe having independent uh, medical groups is is primary to success. Um, we particularly believe uh, primary care should be the center of care. That's how we're going to impact care in um, all the aspects that I've discussed. And so our, our network is uniquely designed around primary care. Primary care is our owners, they're our directors, they're our governance. They're highly involved in everything we do. And in Alaska, with it being such independent, we're able to have a lot of independent primary care um, driving change. Uh, primary care is the one who sees the patient on a recurring basis. They see them regularly. Uh, and so they get to know and have intimate relationships with these patients. Primary care is also one who directs care out to the different places. And that's an important part of being able to be successful as um, a network is making sure primary care really stays at the center of care. And independent practices are a, a huge portion of that. And Alaska is one of the places that has both the desire, the aptitude, and, and the ability to remain at the center of care um, as independent and primary care uh, offices. So how important is density in a clinically integrated network in terms of having a large network within your geographic area, especially such a unique geographic area? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, while size is always great, there's a balance between just being big and being connected. Uh, we want to be able to have enough density such that we can really make an impact by having um, collaboration on best practices and being able to work with different folks and, and being advocates for our groups. But we don't want to necessarily big, be big just for the sake of being big. Uh, we want to be able to serve our clients um, and meet their needs, and they're different. And so when you have the right balance of that density being large and both intimate, I think that's a good good. Uh, ability for us to deliver. Every group's different in what they need, and we want to be able to move with that and be there when they need us for what it is. And so size alone isn't so important as it is is a collaboration of practices who are really working towards the same goals. So we may have 
practices providers listening to this, whether it's in your geographic area or a different geographic area who may be thinking about joining a CIN, a clinically integrated network, what what would you say to them? What sort of goes in the thought process for a provider who's thinking about joining a network? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there, there's a couple things. One, uh, clinically integrated network, you know, 12 years ago, nobody had heard about it. And now it's kind of a, a catchphrase for everything. Uh, so the, the first one is, are, are they really clinically integrated? There's different ways to do that. Uh, certainly HIE has been one that we've pursued in many markets and found it's really quite difficult. Uh, the HIE has been really hard to nail down and get to work and be effective and really truly clinically integrating. Um, the other way is just other type of systems. You know, do you have pop health systems? In our case, we built our own custom pop health system for uniquely for a market and do that in other markets as well. Um, but also uh, an AHR or, or a health record that allows you to share information. You know, we, we've chosen Athena. And while we've not forced any of our groups onto Athena, they've all um, gone that direction. So we truly have a clinically integrated network because our, our systems are all similar. Now, we had a, a group that wasn't on our system. We have other tools to help them be clinically integrated, but it certainly is helpful when you're on the same system. So are they truly clinically integrated is the first question. The second question is, is it truly primary care driven? Um, because primary care needs to be at the center of the model to really be successful. And I believe in healthcare. And, and that doesn't mean we don't have um, health, uh, hospital uh, folks in our system or specialists. They're very important to this whole continuum of care, but primary care is the one who sees the patient on a recurring basis and creates those relationships, like I had said before. They're also the ones who sends the uh, patients out to the right places at the right times. And they can, that when they're driving decisions and they're governing the model and their ownership, even in a lot of cases like ours, we think those are important aspects to uh, be asking yourself uh, when you join a clinically integrated network. So from your perspective, you mentioned earlier, you know, the network not being big just for the sake of being big, but still trying to drive the right kind of growth. How have you approached the growth of the Alaska Provider Network? That's great. Uh, we've been very organic. Uh, we, we were not. We don't spend much on advertising, and we we believe that uh, doing the right thing uh, results in the right benefit. And so we really work on making sure we're meeting individual needs of our groups, but also uh, the overarching goals of the of the network. We really work hard on that. Uh, we've had 100% success in our value-based contracts. Uh, you know, maybe that's unreasonable to think that will continue always forever. But uh, you know, we think that we can really make an impact on quality and cost and also making sure that these groups can be successful. If primary care is not successful, uh, and primary care's margins are already very thin uh, compared to a lot of other things. So if they can't be successful, the whole model can't work. And so for us to make sure that they can be uh, financially and um, emotionally and all the different ways feeling good about where they're at, we think that's going to make an impact across all of healthcare and ultimately to patients, which is the goal of all this. I want to get back to the value-based contracts that you mentioned in just a second, but um, in terms of Athena and Athena One, you know, you mentioned that everybody on your network is using it. What? Can you talk us through sort of your Athena One origin story, as it were? Like, what, what were the challenges that led you to join Athena back when you did? Yeah, that's great. You know, I've had the relationship with Athena back since 2010, so it's been uh, a long time. Uh, it's developed over time. I think part a couple of things that really 
led us to partner with Athena was was one the relationship and having relationships at all levels and being able to um, have someone that we can call and go to 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 help because healthcare is all local. It's it's not the same everywhere, and Alaska is very uniquely that way. Um, so that was part of it, but but also the robustness of the system and the ability for it to do things that we wanted it to, to do. So we. We have our own um, Alaska super users in Alaska. Alaskans care about Alaska, and those folks know Athena very well. Uh, and, and that's important to us that that they have Alaska folks on the ground who understand this system, who can do a lot of things that maybe other systems can't do. The other thing is we also have. Um, data scientists, Alaskan data scientists. And again, Alaskans care about having Alaskans. So having Alaska data scientists who understand how to use, let's say, data views, uh, the ability to garnish all information from Athena's um, uh, databases and, and, and do custom reporting. Um, we're able to take claims and clinical data because of Athena's robustness and um, because of the claims we get and make better decisions. And that's not always available with every system. So when we were deciding on our goals for this clinically integrated network, and, and, and truthfully, we're, we're MSO as well, um, uh, providing services to our groups. When we decided to do that, we needed a partner who could, um, was as much of a service organization as just just a, uh, um, just a software solution. And Athena provided that. Can you walk us through a little bit how you've grown since you've gone live with Athena in terms of providers and locations that you've been able to add to your network? Yeah, we've uh, we've grown uh, in a number of different ways. Uh, we've grown being able to provide more services. Um, Athena certainly has expanded our service offering, not just within Athena, but uh, Athena provides us more information, which allows us to provide more, um, uh, realize the need for different types of services that we are able to provide. Uh, we certainly have grown um, and the number of providers quite substantially, meaning we have providers now across all kinds of different areas in Alaska, not just in Anchorage anymore. Uh, and so our growth through Athena has, has been great. Now, I want to put the caveat is we've never pushed Athena to be, um, to, for everybody has to be on Athena, be in our network, and nor will we ever. Uh, they've chosen to move to Athena because Athena is, um, is, 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 the system that meets its needs. You know, they know other groups that are on it. We present Athena's uh, options and availability, but we don't necessarily promote it. It, it and, and we like that because that's a little bit how we run our businesses. It's it, it's organic, and if we do the right things and provide the right systems and the right partnerships, uh, we think they sell themselves. Um, and ultimately, I think that has been the case in our ability to grow with Athena. What is it about? the Athena systems that you think they're finding attractive that organically they're choosing rather than you pushing it on them? I think one is Athena is really designed to help independent providers. Um, and so it's a system that's really good at allowing independent providers to thrive and stay independent. Um, I think Athena Health has uh, is, is a great system to provide uh, uh data, a deeper level of data, you know, the fact that we can get every single thing in the EMR and the database that we can do uniquely different things with us. I think that's really beneficial. Um, I, I think Athena has been a user-friendly uh, environment. You know, there's always learning curves when you go to a new 
um, uh, EMR implementation. It, it's just it's it's really difficult to do that. But I think Athena has a good job of being able to provide um, the once you understand the system and um, everything the the, the the kinks are worked out. I think that Athena um, really provides a high touch and an easy to use interface, you know, maybe relative to some other play, some other types of solutions. How are you using Athena to measure data, to track metrics, all those things, especially as it pertains to succeeding in value-based care? Yeah, great question. You know, my background's, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I'm a CPA and finance uh, MBA. And so I, I've lived in data my whole life. And so it made a lot of sense to make sure we're doing this part correctly. You know, originally I wrote some algorithms about how to identify high risk, high cost um, uh, patients. And since then have brought in a team of data scientists who uh, have taken it to a whole nother level. Um, so they're using clinical and claims data to identify high risk, high cost uh, patients using um, using predictive analytics and machine learning. Um, so you know, before I, AI was scary, we were doing AI in a way that uh, uh, was really helpful. Uh, and so we're we're still doing that. And, and you know, we have between seventy and eighty percent accuracy of understanding who's going to end up in the ER or in the hospital before they do. And that allows us to do something um, to really act and 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 benefit these patients uh, and and the cost uh, structure uh, as well by reaching out to them before we know we're going to have some issues. So data is extremely important. You know, we're measuring cost and quality and looking at it continually. But to do that, you need to be able to go deep into the systems to be able to make these kind of, uh, you know, have this information to make these kind of decisions. So at the end of the day, how do you define being 100% successful in these value-based programs? That's a great question. That's, abil- that's ability for us to deliver uh, on cost components. So a lot of our uh, value-based contracts have a cost component of them. And so we want to reduce the cost um, to, to uh, our, our patients and to the, the system as a whole. And, and meeting, hitting quality metrics, so doing certain things that are going to improve the quality um, and what we've found to be successful in those is that we, and particularly the providers, need to have a role in defining what those metrics are um, so they feel like they can impact them. So we play, spend a lot of time identifying metrics and in some places creating metrics. And we've even written some of our own contracts um, for these things such that you know we can really get behind them. So looking specifically at the individual clinicians who are affiliated with your network, like how does the structure of the CIN support those clinicians in their day-to-day patient care? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, so we're also uh, MSO, um, what makes us uniquely uh, different. And, and part of the reason we're that is because each practice and each clinician has maybe different things that really uh, are important to them. Um, and so we can provide them with uh, financial uh, accounting help, um, for example, or we can help them with benefits and, and better benefit rates, or we can help them with Athena uh, and doing things uniquely different within Athena and reporting. Uh, we, we uh, uh, I, I co-founded a, a, a behavioral health nonprofit as well, so we can help with integrating behavioral health into um, these primary care practices and as we're identifying high-risk, high-cost patients, sometimes we realize behavioral health is a part of that, and we can't just do the traditional way we've done things. So we're able to do all these different things uniquely uh, beneficial to the groups 
um, because we're both the CIN and an MSO. And again, because we have really close, deep relationships with the providers we work with, um, we're seeing them on a very uh, consistent, recurring basis and able to hopefully meet their needs or and at least understand their needs and meet them where they're at. It sounds like there's a balance to be struck for some clinicians, because I imagine some clinicians would like to be fairly independent still and have some autonomy, but there's a lot of benefit in the data you're talking about, the metrics, the reporting, that sort of thing. How do you see clinicians striking that balance with the sort of autonomy they want in their patient care? Uh, another really terrific question and really uniquely uh, Alaskan question, um, but I know there's other markets as well who who feel this way. Is you know, they they really want autonomy? They they want to run their practices. Uh, the way they would like and not all practices are the same so sometimes you might have one primary care another primary care and both provide tremendous value to patients and um, all align on those values but they might choose to just have a different culture and so what this allows is for you to remain independent and have a culture unique to them and that can be both a multi-specialty or an independent standalone group um, while still sharing in some of these resources and having access to big system data. Um, and so bringing together the things that matter as it relates to cost, being costly if you had to do it all on your own as an independent standalone group, and in terms of value that you'd see maybe you'd get from a large a large health system um, or, or a hospital system for that matter, uh, but still remaining financially autonomous um, and culturally uh, being able to remain autonomous. We think that's where independence really lies. And I think that's where um, these groups really want to stay is we want to define our culture and, uh, you know, how we operate while still, you know, seeing the benefits of being part of something larger. So we've talked a lot about data, both as part of the CIM. We know there's a lot of data accessibility in Athena One. How does that benefit the clinicians on your network? Uh, a, a very good question, and I think it's a really important question because I think we think in a CIN and an MSO, the be-all, end-all is the value-based contracts, and, and that's just an avenue towards doing um, a lot of things good, and it's one of many avenues, and it's the one that always comes to the top is like, oh, wow, you're doing on value-based contracts, and you know we're doing great. But having said that, uh, really, it, the, the CIN's impetus is to provide higher uh, quality, lower cost, and better patient care, improving providers' lives, meeting their needs. And so data is key to doing that outside of a value-based contract. You know, value-based contract might drive us to use data or get data, especially claims data. Um, but you know, we're able to provide information about our re- referral management. Uh, we're able to provide uh, information about uh, uh, quality metrics that maybe aren't related to that, but that the, so we can better understand how we're truly impacting a patient. And so data go, you know, when we have access to all data, like we do through DataView and Athena One, we're able to really uh, customize what groups want. And we, we have groups asking for custom reports that are specific to them as part of their just recurring dashboards. So groups should be building dashboards that talk about best practices. And it's very different in healthcare. It's not the same as it would be in a traditional business. The metrics you look at are, are uniquely different in a medical group. And so we can take these da- this data and build them dashboards that are 
able to help them just financially uh, be more successful. Uh, we'll help them be able to uh, really see patients better, or, or like I said, referral management in a way that uh, makes more sense for everybody in the network. So great question and, and, and almost worth you know double highlighting. Um, clinically integrated networks isn't really just about value-based contracts. That, that's a component of it for sure. But it's about taking information and uh, sharing it amongst the network in, in ways that they can make better decisions and um, more timely and, and more informative decisions. Let me dig a little deeper on that in terms of these dashboards and the data that you're using. How, how unique practice to practice are some of these dashboards and reports that you're building? And how are you seeing those benefit practices? There's some that are standard. So there's certain things that we probably see across a network where you might say that every group probably should be looking at these metrics. And, and then there's other metrics that are extremely unique to, the, to the, that particular group. Uh, some is because a specialist specialty is very different. Uh, and so you want to meet metrics for a particular specialty. Obviously, quality is a, is a good, good one. Uh, you know, you might do well child visits might be a pediatric metric, whereas uh, A1C might be a uh, primary care uh, family practice metric. So those are obvious choices, but there's others that are around uh, all, all groups like encounters or, or different metrics that really are meaningful across all, at least primary care um, uh, groups. Now, there's other things, though, that they'll want uniquely because they feel they're really important for what, like maybe you have a large multi-specialty group. That multi-specialty group will want to look at, you know, the referral management within their within their group. Um, whereas a standalone uh, independent practice may choose something that's very unique to them um, that allows them to be successful. And so we need to be able to adapt. So we're, we can't be so structured and standardized that we can't adapt, which is also why we can't be so large that you can't adapt. So you want to adapt within the realm of what delivers good good care. This is a question that's sort of for practices that may or may not be on a clinically integrated network, but I'm just curious in your level of expertise setting up these dashboards, working with these metrics, especially for your typical primary care practice, are there certain metrics that you look at as really defining successful performance for a practice? Uh, yeah, I think there's always uh, there's always just key financial metrics um, that we want to look at. I mentioned, you know, uh, encounters is one and just, you know, what's our patient volume, but uh, also, you know, what are our charges and, and collections, you know, accounts receivable, those type of things are very standard financial metrics that you do want to look at. Um, in some markets, work RVUs is an important metric. Uh, you know, Alaska, it's a little less so because they're uniquely different. So th those, are, those are kind of pretty standardized. And then there's quality metrics, particularly with primary care that are pretty standard. I mentioned a couple of those already. Uh, and, and those metrics, uh, uh, they do vary by, by specialist type. And, and so we want to be able to adapt those. So those are coming to some of the, the, the standard ones. But, you know, referral uh, management is a, is a huge one that differentiates quite a bit, especially if you're in a multi-specialty practice. Uh, and, and there's others that uh, groups really um, find valuable for themselves, uniquely different. And so we, again, want to be able to adapt to provide those metrics. So I wouldn't say we have a standard dashboard that would fit all practices. I think that would be a disservice to them. Um, but we have... Uh, dashboards, both of metrics we would suggest that they would use um, and, and metrics then that we adapt to what they ask us to, to build for them.
So we haven't talked as much directly about patient care. And I'm curious to sort of talk about that a little bit in terms of the way that the structure of the clinically integrated network by supporting clinicians in the network then impacts patient care. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about identifying high risk, high cost. You know, that's an element of, of patient care. And so if we can identify those patients early on, uh, we can put in care coordination efforts to reach out to those patients to make an impact. Uh, ultimately, uh, data isn't going to treat patients. Uh, and so data is just a mechanism for us to be able to identify where we can do uh, where we can make an impact. But the providers, their relationships, that, that's how it's going to impact the patients. And so that the, the provider relationship ultimately matters. And so what we want to do is just give them the tools and resources to be able to know, know, uh, you know, know make, the, make those outreach. Uh, care management is a huge part of success in a clinically integrated network. And care management ultimately, we believe, should reside in the practice uh, because the practice, particularly primary care, uh, understands the patient. Um, and, and it's more difficult for third parties or uh, other uh, care ca- coordination solutions to make the same impact as getting called by your primary care provider's office and um, <clears throat> feeling like you're really taken care of. I love what you said there. Data doesn't treat patients, but it's it's so important in patient care. I guess going back to the clinicians a little bit, I'm curious, especially as you're supporting people in your network, when you have clinicians who may be more reluctant to dive in on data, let's say, like, or it's just, it's less comfortable. I'm sure there are clinicians who are more comfortable just with the patient in the exam room rather than looking at dashboards. How do you, how do you support those clinicians to make sure they are able to use the data even though it might be a little bit outside their comfort zone? Yeah, uh, a terrific question and one we've had to learn over time. Uh, Providers have so much to do um, and in such a huge responsibility. And the last thing they want to do is to go to another system or go to another place to be able to go look for information. And, And they just don't have the time to do that. So if it's going to be useful, we have to bring that to them, um, and we need to. And that, this goes back to that 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 the density um, and the size is. If we're so large that we can't have this this type of real relationship with a with a provider, th- then we can't provide value because then we're saying, hey, we're going to you know we we've got a pop health system, for example, and we say, oh, go out there and check it out every day. They're not going to do that, and 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 it's not their job to do that. It's our job to deliver that to them. So we need to meet with them on a recurring basis and talk through the things that matter to them that can make an impact. And and, and it's lots of different topics. It's not just uh, quality metrics every time. And and so uh, we as as trying to help them um, and, and provide what's meaningful to them. We have to bring it to them. We have to be there. We have to have a personal relationship for this. And we can't just be a system that operates behind the scenes and um, expect them to have to go out and access another system on top of the EHR, on top of all the other things they need to be able to access. That's not fair. So ultimately, since ultimately the goal is healthy patients, patient care, you know, when we talk about measuring success, there's the value-based contracts part of it, but sort of ultimately, how how do you know when you're being successful in supporting the patient care that the clinicians on your network are delivering? Yeah, you talked about value-based care. I mean, obviously, that's easy. We make we make we make metrics, or we don't, or we save millions, or we don't. And, and we've certainly saved a lot of money and made a lot of metrics. 
but that's just such a small component of it. You know, if a practice is struggling with their own costs um, because of whatever it is, uh, you know, maybe they're a small group and so they don't get the benefits of a larger benefit plan or, or a larger offering, you know, we can come in and, and, and help them with that. And so that would be success because it's a metric that they care about. Um, maybe it's a system like Athena. Um, so Athena has been a great system for us and we can come in and provide another level of support with local folks because that's what they care about and that's what matters and, and helping them navigate that system and helping them use it to its max capacity. You know, maybe that's success. The, the, the providers do have to go to the EMR. Uh, we're, we're really forward looking and saying, how can we get some of our metrics back into Athena so that they are going to one place? We talked about us delivering what they what matters to them to them by having this personal relationship. You know. They, they have to have a relationship with Athena because it's required as, or, or whatever their EMR is because it's required to be successful. So how can we put into the systems that are utilizing the information they want? And so we're evolving as well. Um, we want to have the next iteration of what they care about. You know, originally, like I said, we, we were the forefront of doing predictive analytics using machine learning. We were in the forefront of really doing some of these unique uh, value-based contracting things. Uh, we want to be at the forefront of delivering the next set of um, uh, value to the providers that they want. And some of that, I think, involves putting information um, back into the system that they're utilizing so they don't have to go anywhere else. Um, that's never going to eliminate this personal relationship. We always have to have this connection point with the providers. And uh, we learned that through COVID when we couldn't do that as frequently and couldn't have these in person. Uh, certainly virtual has helped because um, you can have a, a next level of relationship over just a phone call, um, having uh, uh, these type of things that we're having today. But ultimately, being there in person matters too. And so we do spend a lot of time making sure we're talking and, and being there in person. Great, Jason. This has been fantastic. Thank you for sharing your expertise, your story. Uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brian. This was great. It was great to meet you and enjoyed being here today. Here's what else you need to know. In case you missed it, new features came to Athena One in July as part of the summer 2023 release. For more information about the release and the features it included, be sure to check out the release centers on the Success Community, where you can see release notes, demo videos, and more. If you go back earlier in this podcast feed, you can hear a conversation with Dr. Neela Jessel, our Chief Medical Officer here at Athena Health, about some of the enhancements that are already benefiting clinicians and staff. With over 350 partners across 62 capabilities and 60 specialties, the Athena Health Marketplace enables you to curate your Athena Health experience on one platform based on your specific business needs. Over 70% of Athena Health customers use one or more Marketplace partner. Go to marketplace.athenahealth.com and filter by specialty or capability to find solutions to support your business, integrating seamlessly and powering the most open, scalable platform in healthcare. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tell your colleagues to check us out as well. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can let us know what you think by email at podcast at athenahealth.com, especially if you have any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes to better support the way you use Athena One. We at Athena Health are curing complexity to simplify the practice of care. We'll talk to you again soon.